We're going to begin by reading our verse for the year, followed by the verse for the week. Let's read this together. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. And this is part of the theme of our service for today, so may we read this together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And may we continue in praise as we pray together. Taking a moment to be still in God's presence and together come in worship and adoration. And so, Lord, with the one tongue that we have, we would say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And as we look and reach out to one another, we say, O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. We look to the Lord Jesus and experience the radiance of his love once more. Lord, we come before you just as we are with all of our experiences this past week and indeed even now, sometimes beset with prejudice, sometimes with eager anticipation, sometimes being so thankful and other times overwhelmed with questions and doubts. And in all of our experiences we come before you, Lord Jesus, and thank you that you are our risen Saviour and you've promised to be with us always to the end of the age. And so today we come before you and we ask now that you would be present with us and draw out our praise and worship, even if some might be reluctant, and to rejoice and be glad. Meet with us, Lord, and all your people, both in this place and throughout the whole world, communities of people who confess that you are Lord, and rejoice and serve you, so hear us and meet with us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now just think of this week, but indeed think about all our relationships. It'd be good if we can read this together, that it leads us into this week with the Holiday Club. So let's begin. Lord Jesus, I give you my hands to do your work. I give you my feet to go your way. I give you my eyes to see as you do. I give you my tongue to speak your word. I give you my mind that you may think in me. I give you my spirit that you may pray in me. Above all, I give you my heart that you may live in me for all mankind. I give you my whole self that you may grow in me, so that it is you, Lord Jesus, 
who live and work and pray in me. Amen. We're going to read together Psalm 13. You may use your Bibles, or indeed, it's going to come up uh, before you. There's six verses, there it is, Psalm 13. This is the substance of our sermon this morning. So, as you have it before you, a series of questions, how would you answer these? So, may we begin and take a pause as two verses, two verses, two verses unfold as we read this Psalm 13 together. Let's begin. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my force will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And we need to make that progression through this psalm in a moment. You will know, if you know anything about the Psalms, the book of Psalms has quite a few of laments. And there are experiences that we go through where our only response should be to grieve and lament. Not always, but perhaps more times than we care to appreciate. So, how would you finish off the sentence, How long, O Lord? But you just think about that, not about anybody else, but about yourself. It might be, now that the children have gone out, we could say, how long before my children will tidy their room? Long time. Or, when are they going to put their toys away and stop playing on the computer? Chances are, a long time. When they learn to close the door behind them, wipe their feet, chances are a long time. So much for parents, what about us? Tell you, here's my uh, current mega whinge. How long before the potholes are filled? <laughs> now I knew I would ring, to, that uh, Oxford County Council have paid half a million pounds currently, and there's a lot more in the pipeline, obviously I've got good lawyers, um, for compensation for people who've got into these ruts and damaged the car and bicycles and so on. Church. You'd be surprised when we meet on Tuesday, we try to look back over the week and try to correct the things that perhaps aren't quite right, like the musicians. Did he have to play that so loud? That's the or They don't look very happy sometimes, do they? But what would we do without them? Or church. Isn't it rather boring? 
Well, if it's full and filled with boring people, it's very boring. That's my thinking about it. Politicians, expenses, the traffic, the NHS. Well, I've given you a few. Or you might want to come a bit closer. How long before I can get out of this financial mess? How long before I can sort out this complicated relationship? How long before I am reconciled to my troublesome neighbours? Well, those are some suggestions. I hope that you can fill in, perhaps in a more personal way, how long, O oh Lord, before you answer my prayer about and you can fill in the gap. We're not quite sure uh, where this psalm originates. Some think it's the background with David and Saul, that terrible conflict. And often civil wars and family strife are the greatest conflict because we are close to each other. And the problem that David had, if this Psalm 13 comes out of that, is this. That actually he could do nothing about it. His relationship with Saul was vexed. Saul was literally paranoid, paranoid, bordering on madness. There was no logic, there was no coming together. He just had to live with it. And of course then he says, how long, O Lord? And you could fill in those gaps. This might chime with your mood today. And if it does, then take note. If it doesn't, it will someday for sure. The conflict continued for months, if not years. It was wearisome, it was cumulative, it was painful, and it was a drag on its whole life. How long, O oh Lord? You see how it's, there's four times here, so it's not just vain repetition. He's locked into something and there's just no way out. However, I would like us to think of complaints or laments as also a good thing. Sometimes it pays to complain, like the children, the six and seven year olds who got together and said, you know, our parents, they should know better. Often we should. The theologian Walter Brueggemann made an interesting observation and I'm using his thoughts and he says this. Laments, complaints, are authentic expressions of faith which are honest in describing life and it is often experienced in terms of life being hard, lonely, hurtful and charged with anger. And he says, as a theologian, that is a legitimate expression and you find those in the Psalms. And he concludes like this, here's a lament. Now where are you at? And the, the worst laments of course are relational or the lack of them. He concludes this, that a lament is 
a remarkable combination of honesty and dialogue with me? this lament is a remarkable combination of honesty and dialogue frequently he says we are honest but unable to be dialogical we are honest but we won't talk about it or conversely we are politely dialogical but unable to be honest we say things that we want people to hear but essentially our deep hurts are glossed over in a superficial way so he says this laments in Israel the producing of the Psalms are both honest and dialogical we talk about them one of the difficult things in relationships my experience in, in relate is this to get people to talk especially men we certainly wired up in, in a certain way where the relationships are strained to breaking point and we won't talk there's a, there's, there's a lack of dialogue of relating we're honest in our field but we fail in our expression so he says precisely the combination resulted in the joy and newness are the forerunners to the resurrection of a living faith and finally he suggests this and this is an introduction very briefly to this Psalm 13 which I hope you'll remember read for yourself Christians can often be less than honest in facing the hard times of life we would rather maintain the status quo an evangelical status quo doubtless Christians can often not always be less than honest in facing the hard times of life and that is where some of these great psalms kick in laments for example which are spoken by individuals constitute a large section of the psalms what a surprise yes let's be celebratory and we should be more as a church however there are times of legitimate faith expressed in a lament or an expression of honesty how long O Lord or is my faith and my prayer simply auto-suggestion now it's not wrong to ask those questions but they cry out for honesty and resolve so let's look at this psalm together it's a classic expression of personal complaint and let's look at three, three perspectives You've got, we've set the scene and we'll move quickly number one open up to God that's what we need to do we believe in him in the mystery of, of a living God he's with us he's promised to be so if you're going to be open to God then be honest that's the point of the lament surely if you don't have the courage to be honest with your fellow believer your husband or wife or friend be honest with God surely surely so verses 1 and 2 how long O Lord will you forget me forever that's how it seems it's one of these rhetorical questions isn't it how long will you hide your face from me how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart how long will my enemy triumph over me there you are how do we deal with this 
practically and personally. We do it like this. Don't bottle up your feelings. They'll only surface somewhere else under a different problem. And probably what will happen is you'll get into the blame game. Somebody's to blame. However, don't stay in a perpetual state of lament. It becomes part of you. You are like Mr. Grumpy. It can become sort of habitual and even unintentionally. I wonder if you would have the courage to say to somebody you really know as a good friend, to say, do you know, we've been talking now for the last um, ten minutes and you've done nothing but complain. That would be a good way to test the relationship. Do you think it's become a habit? And if, if, you, if it, the friendship is worth anything, it says, do you know, I didn't realise. Isn't that a terrible, isn't life too short? I am really sorry. Thank you for telling me. I wonder if we'd have the courage to respond like that. Four times. How long? You see, this sort of thing can induce a spirit of despair and depression that can become clinical. I was reading Sir John Betjeman on his classic poem. I want to read only part of it because it's a very long poem. A little humour, I think. Sir John Betjeman was a, the, the consummate writer and poet. And this is what he says. When things go wrong, it's rather tame to find that we ourselves to blame. It gets the trouble over quicker to blame things on the vicar. The vicar, after all, is paid to keep us bright and undismayed. The vicar is more virtuous, too, than lay folks such as me and you. He never swears, he never drinks, he never should say what he thinks. His caller is the wrong way round, and that is why he's surely bound to be the sort of person who has nothing very much to do but take the blame when things go wrong and sing in tune at even song. The vicar should be all pretense and never, never give offence. To preach on Sunday is his task, lend his mower when we ask, to organise the village fates and sing at Christmas with the weights, and in his car to give us lifts, and when we quarrel, heal the rifts, and keep his family alive, he should industriously strive in that enormous house he gets, Thank you. And he should always pay his debt free as quite six pounds a week. I think I better stop there. I know. I know you're disappointed. It goes on and on. It's quite clever. But the point is, if you're going to go through life, who are you going to blame? Are you going to, are you going to look in the mirror? Are you going to say, now we need a serious talk. We really need to. Or are you going to look out and spend your life blaming other people? It can induce a spirit of utter despair and it can be contagious. So we need to be open to God. Secondly, we need to reach up to God. This is yes being honest, but let's be a bit more relational and it's this. 
anybody, who, anybody at all who's going to be relational will always be vulnerable. That is why some people will not have deep relationships because they can't cope with being vulnerable. So look at verses 3 and 4. Let's come to this, Psalm 30. Look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes that I will sleep in death. My enemy says it may be an internal enemy, external, we don't know. I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. People will come to me and say, I told you so. We reach up to God and we choose to be vulnerable. How vulnerable are you? That's up for you to answer. How vulnerable am I? When were you last hurt because you were vulnerable? Or chances are it's been a very long time because you play it safe. You keep your cards close to your chest. You don't get involved. Or put it a different way. We like being in control of ourselves and if possible other people. And we can be quite clever about it, and very subtle. In other words, we become manipulators of people, rather than relate to people. Or, to be honest, to manipulate people rather than to love people. That's the danger zone, to love people. But then you are going to be more vulnerable, best not to. And your unconscious dictum is, don't get involved. Don't get involved. Unless, of course, they're entirely on your terms. That's perhaps one of the most profound things that Jesus said to his disciples with the pending crucifixion. This is the beginning of, of what we call Holy Week. A new command I give you. Yeah, you know the ten. Now I give you the eleven. Love one another as I have loved you. How do you do that? Look what they did to Jesus. You say, ah, that's, that's a bridge too far. But that's what he says. As I have loved you. By this will all people know that you are my disciples. The greatest form of passive evangelism is to be who you are. By this will all people know that you are my disciples. If you have this kind of love, one for another. Love, we all need it, we all want it, but we're not very good at it. And it's often at times when we take the risk that we realize just how blessed we are going to be. To love is to be vulnerable. And in verse 3, it gives a different perspective, do you see it? It gives a different perspective on myself. Open, we sang that, didn't we? Open the eyes of my heart. Maybe you didn't realize you had eyes in your heart. Metaphorically, of course you do. I want to see you. But now I want to see me. What am I really like? So you see in, in, in verse 3, Look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. There are many ways to interpret that. To lighten my darkness is a phrase that's often used. Light to banish the darkness of my moods, of me. 
there's less smokers about these days but you could often tell years ago when you went into a room where somebody was smoking they left something in a way it's only an illustration of when people come into a room what do we leave? an atmosphere what's it like? how open are we? What, what is, what's the air like that we breathe? singing the blues open to God open up to him and be honest reach up to God be vulnerable you're going to get hurt the last thing look up to God and be receptive he's not finished with you or me thank God that he hasn't be receptive so look at the last part of this psalm but and it's one of these lovely pivotal things isn't it the but could go negative or it could go positive this is a positive one the tipping point of the psalm but of all this stuff's going on and more okay but I trust in your unfailing love and unfailing love is your steadfast love your covenant love which cannot be broken I trust in that my heart rejoices in your salvation for a while I thought I almost forgot that I had a heart I will sing to the Lord that's musically dialogical I'm going to express my faith to God in song he has been good to me he has been good to me this is the last uh, section be receptive now we come here today how receptive really are we when we think about our lives our families our health our pensions and the whole of society where we are you see in five and six to, to follow through this progression you can see how it, how it unfolds unresolved hurts of the past that are not dealt with become unloving relationships in the future that's the point and, and, and what Psalm 13 is saying to us look if you're going to be honest and that's the whole point of this you've got to go back before you can go forward you can go through life playing the blame game okay but you're not going to get anywhere do you see, do you see what this is about but the but is, is the tipping point unresolved hearts of the past will create unloving relationships in the future and what they can do to us is to cause us to forget about God's blessing so Psalm 13 this psalm can have a cathartic effect it can change us it, it, can, it can transform us there can be a shift in thinking a shift in relating a shift in belonging the inward feelings now to outward expression so I'm no longer locked into this and the climax is this that sometimes we miss the point and we do and I do it is this that God is good to us all the time he is good 
it is his very nature here's the interesting thing here we are, we've covered the Psalms, not particularly profound its impact would be David's circumstances have not changed a bit we live our lives and we say, you know, and you could fill in the sentence, when this happens, I'll be okay. Or when that comes, I'll be okay. And we go to life like that. And we have a sort of a, a circumstantial faith, a faith that depends on what's happening. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed for David, except him. I hope you don't miss the point that in Psalm 13 it's saying this you need to change and I need to change and God is willing to help us on that journey of course people have hurt us and we've hurt other people of course people have said unkind things about us and so have we that's what we like but I hope that we don't leave here this morning saying well that's what I'm like and that's what I'll always be like His circumstances haven't changed, but he has. He has. And it occurred when he turned from this inward perspective towards the faithfulness of God, where he says, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation and what's clear then from this little pilgrimage of six verses is this that David has moved he's moved his ground he's moved his thinking his perspective he's moved from the trauma of the past which was real from the complaints of the past from the trauma to trust from complaint to confidence that God is in control and although I've messed up God is in control and I can trust him and he ends with a song a song of God's constant love it's for the journey he's still with us so we could summarize this psalm like this this would be a good outline for you to reflect on Number one, here is David, flat on his face. Flat on his face. Can't see any way out. It's a dead end. No hope. And how long, how long, how long? And all that thing goes on. Then secondly, David, vulnerable on his knees. At some progress greater realism he's on his knees he's thinking about praying now because before well he'd given up on that and then David resolute on his feet on his feet and but that little word so you face that situation and you say positively but but and let it be the tipping point in contrast to my complaints and my fears I trust that's all I've got and the difference between us this morning is this that we are going to trust 
in God Almighty as the one who loves us and cares for us so much or we can do it our own way now which would you choose? I would choose to trust in him can we have the verse that we began with Becky and with this we'll close it's a great verse where we say trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight when life is like a windy road or like a maze if you like and it's random you can't you can't make sense of it all it's all bewildering that's what you have to do so we've come right full circle where we began the service trust in the Lord with all our hearts and don't rely on our own understanding we don't get it right do we say that we're sorry to God and to those whom we live with and relate to and work with and share and in all our ways bring him into the reckoning as for the psalm does and that in a way is what we are called to do and it's not the unlucky psalm it's a psalm full of love and grace and confidence and we can make the journey we can make the journey and the Lord says if you're willing let's journey together journey together we're going to pray let's do that we take a moment to wait prayerfully with our own personal questions concerns about health our wider families, children, grandchildren, work, relationships with our colleagues, our neighbours. Lord, in all of these things, we want to trust you and bring you into our thinking so that we will have fresh perspectives a healthy outlook a positive attitude and sweeter relationships Lord you know us better than we know ourselves and we are really sorry that we, we pretend we wear our masks and we refuse to let people close to us sometimes we even do that with you and we are really sorry and we know how stupid it is to do that and so we ask that you will help us to be honest and to talk openly even though we know it's a risk and Lord we are sorry that we have broken confidence when people have shared with us we thank you that you never do help us to trust in your unfailing love 
hear all our prayers as we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And may we share in the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.